Hello, everybody. Welcome to Game Studies Review. This is Alex Lane. I am here for an amazing, wonderful, fabulous interview with Kat Schreier, uh, who has recently published We the Gamers in 2021. Hot off the shelves. Go pick up a copy. Uh, Usually I start this uh, podcast saying boo reading and yay listening, but this is one that you should definitely pick up and read. Um, Dr. Schreier is an absolutely amazing person. Like, listen to this. Uh, Bachelor's from Amherst, master's from MIT, PhD from Columbia, like literally nominated for an Emmy for one of your games. I mean, one of the games you co-created, right? That's vaguely, vaguely not true. I worked on a game that many years down the line in a, another segment of it was nominated for a daytime Emmy. That's pretty cool. That's I'm actually, cool. I'm, I'm actually advising them now. I'm on their advisory board. It's it's Mission US, which is an amazing history game that tells stories of different moments from history through the eyes of a young person living during that time. It, it's just so cool. I went and checked that out before uh, we started the podcast here. And I haven't uh, played a lot of serious games for, for a couple of years because I've been busy with the babies. Uh, but oh my gosh, have they come a long way? I was like, this is amazing. Oh my gosh. Absolutely amazing. So, uh, check out this book. We, the gamers, we're going to talk a little bit about it today, a little bit about the game studies industry. Uh, uh, Dr. Schreier currently is a associate professor at Marist college. Uh, she's studied, does games, directs the, uh, um, uh, games and emerging media program, directs the play innovation lab, she was a Belfer fellow with the Anti-Defamation League. Like I could go on and on and on. I don't even know how you find the time to type up your CV because this is ridiculous. But uh, how are you doing today? I'm, I'm good. You know, it's a beautiful day. Enjoying the sunshine and talking to you. This is awesome. Yeah, okay. Well, I'm not enjoying the sunshine here. It is 105. It's 105 here in Minnesota today. So we did oh. not go outside. I didn't even go pick up my CSA basket. It was ridiculous. Cat, uh, can I, is it all right if I call you cat? Yeah. Yeah. Cat and I know each other from being in the, uh, an academic mom's group together. Uh, so we connected through that. So I'm super excited to have her on. And, uh, the first thing I'm going to ask you, cause, uh, I personally, and I've talked on the podcast before about how I've lost some of my um, desire to study in and write about the games industry just because of how much toxicity there is. I mean, there's only so much I can research about how much somebody hates you before you're like, well, I'm kind of done with that. But but reading your book filled me with so much hope and so much optimism that we can do stuff, that things can change. And I just want to know how in the world do you keep optimistic through your 20 plus years as a designer and educator and gamer, how do you stay so optimistic and full of hope? I mean, that's a great question. I don't know if I'm so optimistic. I, I feel often like I'm climbing up a very large hill and there's boulders rolling down at me and I'm just kind of rolling back with it. So it's hard. I mean, I'm always the fish going in the wrong direction and it, to keep going and to keep going and to keep going is a daily hourly minute by minute struggle that I'm always questioning myself. Like, why am I doing this? But I do at the core really believe in the good of humanity and 
I want to make a better world. I want to repair our world for, for today, but also for our future. And, you know, that drives me. It keeps me going. Well, that makes a lot of sense. And that really comes through in your book. So we, the gamers, the, the mission here, and, and please feel free to jump in. Uh, the mission of the book, as I see it is, um, sort of threefold. You sort of have this three tiered audience where you're talking to policymakers, you're talking to educators, you're talking to designers, and you're looking at give it getting civics and ethics, um, both analyzing how it's taught in games and then doing it a little better. And, and talk to me about your project and how you see it as, uh, as influencing, influencing this, this world that's so divided today. Yeah. So like you said, I had a a couple different purposes with the book. One is, you know, oh my gosh, we are in a crisis. Like we need to band together. We have to uh, come together collectively to solve the big problems of our world, whether it's racism, climate change, global pandemic. There's so many things that we are embroiled in as a society. And what better way to start thinking about solving it than to start teaching each other and ourselves and our neighbors and friends across the world, civics and ethics. It's such a, it's a core, these are core practices and skills that everybody needs to be learning and practicing to be part of that conversation about how we live as a society together. And and you mean civics, like learning the three branches of government, right? So by civics, I really mean like public engagement. So thinking about how we as a people work together, um, both individually and thinking about our perspectives of how we're, we should govern ourselves and how we should work together to solve big problems, but also collectively how we work together. And it's really about community. It's about society. It's about understanding our systems. And it's about practicing the skills that we need to be fully engaged in our publics. And you talk in the book, of which I, and I love this term. I was like, eh, civics, I don't know. And then I got to disruptive civics. And I was like, yes, that sounds awesome. So talk to me about disruptive civics in your book. Yeah, I love the way you put disruptive civics. I think that's awesome. Well, you so- put it, I think. Maybe. I don't think it was me. I think it was you. Um, so, but thank you. I was reading it. It, it make it, I love the like extra layer of interpretation there and, Mm -hmm. and that's, that's what you brought to it. So that's great. (laughs) But I, I think that that's where games really has the biggest impact in that it helps us to see the flaws that we have as humans and also as, um, systems, right? So the systems that we have built and designed aren't aren't working for us, right? And so how do we reinvent them? How do we dismantle these systems? Well, maybe games can help us in figuring out that as well. God, I hope so, because we need some of that. Absolutely. Uh, just a just a quick side question of no substance whatsoever. Uh, were you terrified to put ethics in the title of your book? About I, don't, I didn't even think twice about it, actually. I, I, should, I should, should I have been terrified? I don't know. <laughs> to me, the way that I think about ethics, it's not like telling people what's right or wrong, right. but helping right. empower people to understand for them and for society 
what kinds of values they want to embed, what, what kinds of ways they want to make decisions. So it's more like ethical thinking. So like decision-making, reflection, mm-hmm. um, understanding our own moral perspectives. That to me is ethics, uh, not like forcing other people to like, here's what's good and here's what's bad. Like sure. I would never want to tell other people like what's right for them. Sure. Absolutely. And, and if you're interested in some really workable definitions of civics and ethics, this is definitely the book for it. I, I found it very refreshing. You have a, um, nice way of, of, uh, talking about nuanced topics, but without going on so long that, that the reader sort of glazes over you. Like you're, you're to the point, but with enough nuance that it's, that it's useful and not generic. So I, I thought that was really helpful. So that's right in the introduction, if you're looking for, um, or maybe, maybe chapter two, I don't remember. Introduction. introduction. First, yeah. The introduction like lays everything out. And I so think helpful. that, yeah. Uh, also short say- chapters. I loved that. <laughs> Yeah, see, I felt like it's so funny when you're writing a book, you have like so much like self-criticism. So when I was editing it, I felt like, oh, I'm going on too long or, oh, gosh, this is like, you know, I need to shorten this and make it more concise. And like if I could rewrite this, I would make shorter sentences. So it's it's good to hear that to you. It didn't go on and on. It did not go on and on. Trying to be like to the point. (laughs) Although I'll say my my co-host often likes to he picks the articles. Um, and he likes to pick ones about ontology because ontology just grinds my gears, uh, quite a bit. And, oh my gosh, talk about a group that goes on and on without actually saying or doing anything. Okay. So here we go. Um, let's talk about how in the world you managed to put out a book in the middle of a global pandemic when the world was figuratively, literally burning around us. Like, how do you do this project? And it, like, can I just also mention, this is one of the most well-researched projects that I have read in a long time. And I typically like to, I'm sort of like this citation politics type of person. So I like to go through citations and check for um, gender diversity and racial diversity, ethnic diversity, things like that. And I mean, you've got it all. You've got this just this amazing citation list references your your games that you reference are varied. How did you do such a tome in in this time? Well, first of all, one of my biggest values is making sure that I have a diverse uh, scholarship that I'm drawing from. Mm -hmm. When I edited a book called Learning Education and Games, I actually told my authors that they had to have at least half of their citations be women or people of color, Mm -hmm. or I was throwing out their chapter. So that is super important to me. And then for me, like in that book, half of the authors had to be women or people of color because that is super important. So I'm glad that I also did it in my book, We the Gamers, because that was really important to me as well. But how did I do it during a global pandemic? I mean, oh, how did I? I don't how know. Did you? I, I, I look back and I think, how did I do that? Because I had just had a baby. Um, I had, you know, two kids who were in remote schooling and I didn't have any childcare, obviously. You probably free child care through the state because you're like a public intellectual. No, you didn't have that. What? I thought we take care of our women in this country. Okay. All right. Yeah, no. Um, I, so my baby is now 19 months old and he's never been in any kind of childcare. No one else has watched him besides yep. my husband and I yep. ever, except like for the two minutes in the hospital when the nurses had to like check him for like the car seat check. So that's it. 
Um, so he was born two months before the pandemic. So when I was really like intensely writing this, it was like April and May, right after, you know, 2020, where it's like that intense emotion of, oh my God, what is happening? You know, we're isolated, we're scared. And I poured my heart, I, po I poured my fear, I poured my soul really into writing this because I felt like this is so important. And yeah. I, it was like the only thing that got me through those first few months of the pandemic was focusing on writing this book. Yeah, at almost no time in my lifetime, at least, would this have been more important than it is right now. We're so divided um, on everything from like whether you wear masks in public to who you vote for to if you should get the you get a shot to if you put you even can put an American flag in the back of your truck. Like, like no, like we don't agree on anything. We don't agree, we don't agree on anything. And so this book about how to use something that brings us together, which is games. I wish I had the citation off the top of my head, but I remember reading years ago, um, a study, uh, looking at how to, how to, when you first meet someone, how to establish trust and they talked to, and they did the, these different ways and games are one of the best ways to do that. So when you play a game with someone, you have to trust each other. You trust, you're going to obey the rules. You trust all these different things. Right. So even if you get beat, you still, have a connection with them more so than if you had, you know, just chatted with them for an hour or something like that. So, so maybe games is what we need right now to bring us all together. Yeah. I mean, that's a really great point that, you know, on one hand, games might be teaching you the skills that you might need to connect with others. So communication skills, perspective taking, critical thinking, um, reviewing evidence, right? Like mm -hmm. being able to search for disinformation and to counter it, but also through the actual playing of the game, you might be exposed to more perspectives or you might be able to connect with other people more easily. Um, certainly my research has shown that in so many different ways. Um, I researched this game. It's like a small indie game called Way. It's an online game where two people play together they're completely anonymous. They're strangers. You don't even, you can't even talk to them. But because you play together for 20 minutes, at the end of the game, people feel like they're friends. Like yeah. they're like, this is my friend. Like you're my We've friend. We've been through something together. Yeah. It's really interesting that just being in that experience together for just 20 minutes of like solving puzzles together helps people feel connected and, and closer to people. Yeah, it seems I, I think about Turkle's alone together argument when you're talking about that, about how all of this technology keeps driving us further and further apart, even though we're together. And maybe this is one way that technology can help us counteract that. So it sort of mediates the the media that's between us, maybe. Um, so let me ask you uh, another question about your book here. So do you think people are better at civics today than say in the sixties, when we hear about people being really active and, you know, marching and peace rallies, et cetera, et cetera. Are we better at civics or worse at civics? Well, you know, I'm going to be honest and say, I think that we've always kind of been bad at civics. Civics has always been an issue, right? Mm -hmm. So, I mean, even back then, right. It's this golden era, supposedly, right? Well, yeah, it's like we think about that, but even back in, you know, the 1950s and the 1960s, people were, you know, we took civics tasks and people still had issues, for example, knowing what the 13 colonies were or knowing mm -hmm. um, 
what Abraham Lincoln did. I mean, they've, you know, so people aren't doing well in the civics exams now, right? We're, right. you know, really low scores. Um, but that's across the world. You know, there's sure. no country that's really doing well in all of the different measures. Is that a good um, way to to judge how good someone is at civics, how engaged of a citizen they are as a test? Yeah, I mean, that's a great, great point. Uh, so there's something called the NAEP, which is the National Assessment of Educational Progress, and it assesses civic skills and knowledge and we don't do well on it, right? So there's only, mm -hmm. I think, 23% of eighth graders in the United States are at the proficient level on that test. Mm -hmm. uh, but the question is, is this a good test? And I would say no, because what it's really testing is systemic uh, differences, right? I mean, we sure. have, uh, you would call it a civic empowerment gap in that there's certain populations and demographics that are well-resourced, that have, you know, schools with lots of funding, they have, um, you know, community support, and then there's other places that don't have that kind of support, and they're not going to get the same kind of engagement with civics because they're just, you know, trying to stay above water mm -hmm. or, you know, use their time to do math, the, you know, the math and language arts that they need to um, get the funding they need for their school. So, you know, there's a lot of systems that are broken and mm -hmm. that is being, I think, what is really being captured on the civics exams. So um, that more said, about I don't think that we're teaching enough um, civics. You know, there's only a few states that even require having civics um, classes at all before you graduate. So, you know, there there's a lot of issues, but, you know, what are better assessments? Well, for one, realizing that there's so much out there where that students are actually doing where they are engaging in civics. You know, whether it's through pop culture, like, you know, creating TikToks about um, um, different um, issues, or they're, you know, playing games where they're engaging in um, protests through like Animal Crossing, New Horizons, or they're, um, you know, listening to political officials as they're playing and live streaming a game like Among Us, like those are ways that you are civically engaging, but but we're not counting it, right? And we need to count those ways. Hmm. Um, so this is, that's a really interesting point uh, about the different ways that, that people can be engaged as a citizen of the United States. And it's manifesting in so many different ways that I think it's hard for any field to even keep up. Right. I mean, the technology is changing so quickly. Um, I wonder if you if you think it's even possible. I mean, we can't that not that we can't, but it is under fire today to teach anything about race, anything about gender, anything about sex, anything about the earth not being flat. Like, how do you imagine <laughs> a, a civics lesson being um, being received by parents across the United States that that probably don't agree with much of the content that's being taught in a civics class or an ethics class for that matter. Yeah, I mean, that's a really good point. But I would say it's always been like that, right? It's always been that, you know, it's uh, 
unfortunately, that people aren't talking about race enough in the classroom. They're not talking about gender. They're not talking about ableism and homophobia and other types of bias. And they should be, right? Mm -hmm. So I think that it's not like a new problem. People have been, unfortunately, uh, you know, part of white supremacy is, is, you know, trying to uh, maintain power. And that means not talking about the problems and not talking right. about how the systems right. are broken. And that's been forever. <laughs> that's been happening. So I think that if anything, we're starting to uh, at least crack at that facade sure. and talk about the facade and talk about those systems more than we used to. We have a very long way to go. Uh, civics lessons um, in the past, a lot of them have been more about upholding the power, right? right? You know, patriotism and jingoism. And that um, that needs to change, right? Mm -hmm. It needs to instead be about the systems and, and dismantling them, right? Disrupting what we have and being okay with changes in power, with changes in, um, you know, who has the right to make those changes, who has a voice, right? So we... Uh, you know, we as a society have to start thinking about how do we do that? And I'm hoping that games can be part of that conversation. But I, it's a it's a very difficult I mean, it's it's as hard as it gets when it comes to uh, making this kind of change because people in power don't want to lose it. Right. As hard as it gets, but perhaps the most important thing that we could possibly be doing. Right oh, now. my God. Yes. As, as important as it gets, too. Yeah, that's that's just uh, you just couldn't have said it better. That's absolutely fabulous. Um, if I'm going to I'm going to zoom in a little bit to our own field of game studies just briefly. Um, can you talk a little bit about you're really involved with games for change and serious games uh, I'm reading through and you do and not to not to say you give so many great examples, like I said, wide ranging number of games, and in fact, like really practical good ways. We're not diving into them today, but really practical ways on how, to, how civics education through games look. In fact, that's a, I would say a majority of the book. Um, but why not triple A games when that what is what most people are exposed to? Wouldn't that have more of a bang for your buck? Yeah, I mean, that's a great point uh, that, you know, on, on one hand, why aren't we talking more about games that, you know, where the youth already are, right? So if they're already playing League of Legends and Fortnite and Among Us and Valorant, and why aren't we talking about that? Um, and, and part of the book is about that. It is mm -hmm. about, well, look at where the students already are and see what they're doing. And guess what? They are engaging in civic communities already in these popular games. When they're in Fortnite, they are strategizing. They're thinking about resource management. They're thinking about change. You know, they're having to prepare for this coming, um, you know, whether it's a disaster or a storm or, uh, you know, they're, you know, slowly um, losing their land and they have to keep racing around till they're the last one standing. Those are the kinds of things that civic communities have to think about. You know, with, if there's an actual coming storm 
or a hurricane or some kind of disaster, they have to prepare. They have to think about their resources. They have to think about how they're going to get first aid to different people and how they're going to, you know, deploy first responders. Well, those are the same kinds of strategies that people are using in a game like Fortnite. Or if you take a game like Among Us, where you're trying to figure out who the imposters are, and you have to really use different skills like uh, uncovering evidence and communication skills, persuasion skills. You have to really develop trust with the people that you're playing with. Well, all of those things are important when you are talking about a community and who you should trust and how you should work together to figure out what, you know, how to govern and, you know, what to do with people who are um, maybe uh, abusing a system or, um, you know, doing things against the rules of a system. Well, these are things that we have to talk about. So the youth are already getting practice in those kinds of really important civics and ethics skills in those popular games. And so I did as much as I could try to incorporate those examples into the book, but I definitely feel so much kinship with the Games for Change movement and um, the people who are creating those games. I feel like I belong there, right? So it's it itself is a community that uh, is, you know, game developers and policymakers and educators who care about making games that specifically are about social change and social justice and pro-social um, behavior and, and encouraging that. And so most of my energy as a designer has been in making those kinds of games that are for specifically educational purposes. But I definitely believe in the power of all different kinds of games, even ones that are not specifically geared toward educational purposes. That's so great. That's great to hear. Um, and finally, I just if you you want people to read this book, set it down and think something, do something, say something. What do you what do you want them? You you read it, you set it down. What do you want them to do? Yeah, I think that. The number one thing I would want someone to get from my book is that they believe that games matter, that they're not just a side jaunt or a um, really kind of fun thing that people do on the side, but that they might even be central to making our world a better place and understanding the problems in our world and the flaws of our world a little better. So. I guess it's like a way of legitimizing games. But on the other hand, I kind of don't think that games need to be legitimized because I think they kind of speak for themselves as as having a lot of power and a lot of meaning and a lot of expressiveness. And I don't think that a game needs to be this like big, huge, amazing, impactful game. I think that just the very act of playing or just the very act of designing is itself a form of civic engagement. It's a form of engaging with the public and that matters too. I think that's really what, that's really great. And, and you can feel that, that message come through your book. Um, And I think we all do that to some extent, even if we fully believe games matter. And if you don't think they do, then the, then you're, you're out of it anyway. But uh, what I love about your book, as opposed to so many others that have that message, 
is you don't just leave it there. Like, Hey, we can really do this. We can solve the problems. You take it so many steps further. And you're like, here's how, here's how, here's how in this context, here's how in this context. And you really get into that nitty gritty. So it's not just this theoretical idea of, Oh, look at all the stuff we can do with games. It really gets down all the way for teachers, policy makers, and designers about, okay, I'm in now what, like now, how do I take steps forward? Because I don't know. And I think to me, that's the real value of your project here. And I think it's the culmination in you of being a designer and educator, um, and, uh, and, uh, you know, theoretician for so many years as you're able to provide this product that speaks to people on that kind of guiding them through step by step by step on how to make your, your ideas, um, a reality. So to, to me, that's the biggest, we usually, we usually close with, uh, who should read this book. And that's, that's what I would say is, uh, it, it makes a great argument in the beginning for why this matters, especially for people who haven't read a lot about civics and ethics, which was me. Um, if you were to ask me before I read this, like, why would it be important to teach civics right now? Like we're on fire. And after reading it, I'm thinking like, oh God, we need to be learning more about physics or not physics, civics, because we're on fire. Um, so, so it definitely makes that argument, but to me, it's the real practical application. So I, I really hope that audience members, you're able to, to go pick up a copy of this, um, to implement it in your classes, to implement it, share, you know, share it with your colleagues who might not be up with games yet in your political science classes. Um, so Kat, if, is there anything we didn't cover today? You want to, you want to tell the audience, um, hopefully with that nice hope uplifting message that you seem to have anything, anything we didn't cover that you think is really important. Wow. I mean, first of all, you're just so good at picking up on what I was trying to intend in the book. And I really appreciate that because I am, in my heart, a designer and an educator and someone who wants to make change that is like very clear and specific and pragmatic. Um, So, you know, I always think of myself as like, you know, I have like one foot in academia because you know, I, I love research and I love, I love theory and I love also applying it, right? Applying it to the real world. And that's like my one foot in industry because that is my background as well. And I try to marry those so much in my work. And this book really was kind of like you said, a how-to manual for people to really think about what, what are the best strategies for using games in the classroom and what are the limitations? I mean, that, you know, there's, just as much um, that you know, games have power, they also have flaws and they also have limitations as we all do. And how do we minimize those limitations? And also how do we overcome those obstacles, right? Because it's not mm-hmm. just about the obstacles in the games themselves, but the obstacles in our society that we wanna overcome. Yeah, absolutely. That's just, that's so cool. I, I feel, uh, so many of the articles and, and mostly the books that we, that we've reviewed on this podcast just make me just feel more and more hopeful about our field and our industry and our ability to have an impact on 
on everyone's life. And that's just, that's just so great. Thank you so much for your work. I can't believe what you've been able to accomplish. It's absolutely amazing and an inspiration. Pick up We The Gamers. If you have a book or an article that you want us to review on the show, email us at gamestudiesreview at gmail.com or uh, DM us on Twitter. Thank you so much for joining me, Kat. It's been wonderful to have you. Um, And uh, everybody, uh, keep gaming. All right. Thank you. Thank you.